Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Psst, Darren. Yo. You know what's ridiculous? Oh, hey, what's up? It's me. Hey. You know what's ridiculous? Yes. Oh. Deals. Deals? Yes. We're so bad at spotting them. Okay, I'm bad at spotting them. But, you know, like, I, I'll give you a for instance. Mm-hmm. Pizza deals. Yeah. Okay. What's a better deal? One 18-inch pizza or two 12-inch pizzas? One 18-inch or two. You know, if people do math, I'm I know. not one of them. Exactly. I am not one of them. So I'll, I'll do the math for you. So the diameter is 12 inches on your pizza, right? Sure. Okay. So then that means you have a, an area inside the pizza of 113 square inches. Okay. So that now double that. Uh-huh, 226. Boom, there you go. See, you can do math. I know, basically. Now, if your pizza is 18 inches, the diameter, the then the area is 254.47 oh, square interesting. inches. Interesting. So you get more pizza from one eight 18-incher than huh. two of the smaller pizzas. That's why they give you the two medium pizza deals. Oh, wow. Or whatever, you know? But you know, the thing is, you get two pizzas, you can have different toppings, and then more people are happy. I just want everyone to be happy. I just want more pizza. That's true. <laughs> now I want pizza. Isn't that ridiculous, though? <laughs> math. It is. Math is ridiculous. I Not deals. See? Math. math. Like, exactly. And our inability to do it on the fly. Oh, gosh. I'm really proud of myself for doubling 113. 113. Way wow. to go. Good for me. Uh, do you know what else is ridiculous? Nope. Silver. How? Sing blue silver. (laughs) This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. So true. Verdad. <laughs> uh, you know that song Mama Tried? Yeah. 
Merle. Merle. Merle Haggard. Yeah. Bakersfield's own. Mama tried to raise me better, but her pleading I denied. Yeah. That leaves me only to blame because Mama tried. Mama tried. Mama, Mama tried. tried. Uh, it has to be hard for mamas who try. Oh, yeah. Ask mine. Like, those kids, <laughs> they try and the kids still go bad. Yes. Like you. Yes, ask mine. Sharon Fitzsimmons was one of those mamas. Uh. She said of her son, quote, he's not a completely bad person. He's a very likable person. I think his big problem was intelligence and no common sense. That can be a problem. I just wish this would all come to an end. The last time I talked to him about what he was doing, this was a few years back, his response was that it's an excitement thing. He said he got bored. So I said, well, why don't you take up skydiving? I said, we're not wealthy people, but we'll back you up. We'll support you morally. We'll be there for you. I don't believe skydiving is a cheap hobby. No, she but that's what she's saying. We're not wealthy, but we'll do what we can to support your skydiving. To support your skydiving habit. <laughs> and who is this guy? Who is this guy, Elizabeth? Who could have taken up skydiving to save his mama the stress? A man. Yes. Named Blaine Nordahl. Not Blaine Nordahl. Yeah. Not uh, the Blaine Nordahl. Well, he, you Bad know, Blaine Nordahl. <laughs> Blaine. He came from a good, hardworking family. I know he did. His dad was actually an artist, like a really well-regarded one. Okay. Um, it's not an art crime today, though. Oh. Uh, his dad painted realist paintings of Apache life. Hmm. And one day, Michael Jackson was in Steven Spielberg's office and saw one of those paintings. Ah. And so Jackson reached out to Blaine's dad, Blaine Sr., um, and they became really close friends. And Nordahl, Blaine Sr., became Jackson's personal portraitist. What? Yeah. So, and they bonded. Blaine Sr. and Michael Jackson bonded over their traumatic childhoods. This is what Blaine Sr. said, quote, I grew up in a difficult home and he did too. We had no playtime growing up. We were both fanatical about work. Okay. So we have this like heavy work ethic in the house. Okay. His father said, quote, he could have been anything he wanted to be. Talking about Blaine, not Michael Jackson. <laughs> He's never really given me an explanation of why. It just breaks your heart. When your children are growing up, you have all kinds of concerns. You want them to be healthy, happy, popular, but you never think what would happen if they didn't turn out to be proper citizens. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Blaine Nordahl. Not a proper citizen. <laughs> he, he got busted for the first time when he was 16. He okay. stole from a store, uh -huh. had to pay it all back. He dropped out of school in 1978 mm -hmm. and worked construction. And then he got his GED and his parents gave him a choice. You can become a cop or you can join the military. So they, they just wanted, wanted him structure. armed. They wanted him <laughs> armed. So he joined the, the Navy in okay. 1980. And he did pretty well there for a mm. while. He got Sailor of the Month, which for some reason is absolutely hilarious to me. <laughs> it's like you walk month. into a frozen yogurt place. Yeah, and there's, and there's Sailor like of the Month. Sailor of the Month. Totally under like the, like on the plaque yeah. that you can take the picture off. Yes. And yeah. Uh -huh. uh, he got commendations. <laughs> okay. And he even was thinking, he was like toying with the idea of becoming a Navy SEAL. Oh. You know. Was he too tall? Well, so much for that. No, he had no work ethic. So oh, when that. he was just 21 years old in 1983, he stole $1,600 worth of jewelry from a family in New Jersey on Halloween night. Hmm. So the homeowner, he hears like this commotion because his dog, Saki, alerted him. Okay. Let's hear it for Saki. Let's hear it for Saki. There's, there's no mention in the newspaper articles of the time about the possible breed of Saki. Uh -huh. So let's each envision our own version of Saki, like okay. a mini picture. Just close your eyes. Uh -huh. Okay, that's Saki. So <laughs> Nordahl, he stole, quote, several gold chains, pendants, cufflings with the initials HJR mm -hmm. and an antique pocket knife. 
And so the homeowner, he confronts Nordahl on his way out, and they tussled. They got oh, into it. Oh, well, really confronted him. Yeah. Not like, hey, excuse me, have he you seen like, somebody? Well, that's what he says, excuse me, it's pal. Like, that's my stuff. And then Nordahl's like, hee hee, and he goes to run away, yeah. and the guy jumps on him. Tackles him. The homeowner, he rips Nordahl's jacket off of him. Okay. And then tries to chase him, but Blaine gets away. Because he's younger. And, yeah. yeah. This is such a bum maneuver, by the way, like mm. stealing from some random guy's house. Like, it wasn't a mansion. This is no. just a working guy. And I think we often, like, have to parse this line because like you know you hear me i always root for the criminals as long as nobody's getting hurt but not when they're just robbing normal well, the people definition of hurt there's yeah. physical hurt and then exactly and also i don't want the violation of like you know if you're going to break into a store that has insurance that's one thing if you're breaking into someone's home and like it's going to be traumatic for them or like that's yeah. not what i'm you know going to excuse it's like that's fun crime have you ever had your home broken into uh not that i'm aware of no i've had stuff stolen from outside of my house a bunch right and but i've had 19 still... bikes stolen for me it's terrible oh god 19 it's terrible like you it's a it's a violation and like it's interesting i'm, I'm talking about this because i was working on this outline today and then i got forwarded an email from a listener named hondo who had just had his home broken into hmm. they trashed the place they took a bunch of stuff including heirlooms and he kind of he just wanted to vent um but he said he, it changed his mind about nonviolent crimes like they're just not funny anymore yeah i agree like, this stuff's I think we terrible both agree, yeah I don't I don't want anyone to be violated no. like that. I mean like okay, even the violently rich when mm -hmm. they experience a violation that's bad. You know, it's just their personal stuff. Yes. And the circumstances can be ridiculous, but it's still a crime. It's like a violation of the social Yes, order. robbing a museum is different than robbing a person's house. Right. So I just want to say we don't endorse this kind no, of stuff. No, I don't endorse it. And no. we feel terrible for Hondo. We do. Big big ups we to Hondo. We definitely do feel bad for you, Hondo. Yeah, and everyone else who's had some dusty clowns break in and take their stuff. Yeah, it's boo, horrible. Boo it feels We're, terrible. And we would never make jokes about no. that. No. So anyway, Blaine. Yes. So Blaine Nordahl, Blaine. though. What's up with that <laughs> Let's guy? Let's talk about that guy. Um, this wasn't his first job in the neighborhood. Okay. That night, though, the cops were on to him. They set the bloodhounds on him because they had the, the jacket. The literal bloodhounds? The literal bloodhounds. Yes. They had the jacket. They're like, give this yes. a huff and then go get him. <laughs> go get him, boys. For three hours, they uh -huh. searched for him with dogs with a helicopter. Damn. They even, they had to interrupt trick-or-treating. Like all the oh, trick-or-treaters. Oh, it's Halloween, yes. Uh-huh. So if they caught him, that meant that they could charge him with, you know, all these other crimes. Um, and they did. They caught him. They charged him with one count of theft and one count of burglary for another job in addition to the Halloween night one. All right. Uh, in an interview in 1998 with Shrewsbury Police Captain James Wilson, looking back on the 80s, he said, quote, he hit us a number of times. He's the reason a wealthy older lady living here doesn't have any silver. She replaced it three times and he took it three times. <laughs> Damn. Horrible. Uh, and he didn't just have these burglary charges hovering over him. Remember how he was in the Navy? Mm -hmm. He had an AWOL charge because he just skipped out. Oh, he's like, to, I'm not in the Navy anymore. Yeah. It's like, remember them, the Navy? He's like, I was yeah. in the Navy, <laughs> but was. not anymore. <laughs> I was in the Navy. Like, before, and then I hit the door. <laughs> before he could be tried, though, he got busted in New York. Uh -huh. And he racked up a bunch more charges. He wound up doing time. The end. Okay, That's good for it. him. Yeah, there you go. Boom. That's, so what's your ridiculous takeaway? <laughs> okay, I'm glad you um, asked. <laughs> no, he, he, he got out in the early 90s, but then he went straight. The end. So what's your ridiculous takeaway? <laughs> you that again? Okay. Yeah. No, he, he did get out in the early 90s, but he went back to criming almost immediately. Oh. 1991, Detective Lonnie Mason got mm, a call. So Common? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> the rapper right. Common. Right. Was... He was wearing a floppy hat and a turtleneck. He said, hello. Um, so Mason uh, was <laughs> just driving me nuts. I can't believe I didn't pick up on that. Sorry. Mason was an investigator for New Jersey's Monmouth County Prosecutor's Office. Okay, I know where that is. He busted Nordahl twice 
And he knew more about him than anyone else. Mm. So he gets a call from the local cops in Rumson, New Jersey. They wanted his help in nabbing Blaine after a bunch of silver-related burglaries in the, in the area. So they figured it had to be his work. So Mason, he looks at the notes. He realizes that all the burglaries happened on a Thursday night. Hmm. So he decided to go all out. They gave him 16 officers. Someone's not watching Friends. <laughs> it's not must-see TV <laughs> for them. Um, and they set up an overnight stakeout that covered a two-block area in okay. Rumson. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened. No burglaries. Hmm. Mason later said, quote, I thought, thank God, maybe he saw one of our guys and called it off. But then Mason, he gets a call from the chief. According to Mason, he said, quote, he said, can you tell me why I authorized all this overtime? Because he hit three houses last night. (laughs) And I said, well, what section? Because I know one section he didn't hit. My boss gave me the addresses and it was the two block radius we were in. (laughs) Just in their two block radius. Three houses. Three houses. They couldn't, 16 dudes (laughs) couldn't secure <laughs> Three times two he beat block them. radius, yeah. <laughs> so he did eventually get caught for those and others. In mm. February of 1992, he got locked up in New Jersey after being charged with 43 burglaries in Camden, Monmouth, Mercer, Morris, and Somerset counties. Hmm. In December of 94, he was out of jail and into crime. Ah. So he stole about $250,000 worth of silver. From four homes. Why is he such Essex a Falls, silver New junkie? Jersey. He only stole silver. That well, was it. That's his thing. That was it. He's like, I know it's good. Yeah, it's we'll, silver, talk about, I know we'll talk about okay, that. Okay, all right. So he then worked his way from New Jersey and Philadelphia and like Westchester County in New York mm-hmm. to Boston, Baltimore. Because around there, like the wealthy folks, they had more colonial silver. So yeah, of even course. More expensive. Oh, yeah, real silver. Like, he, you he, think of silver. Oh, yeah. He started like hitting it, all. It's in a case. Gross Point, Michigan, Kennebunkport, Maine, mm. Newcastle, Delaware. Uh, Winnetka, Illinois. Winnetka, just, you threw that one in there. I did. <laughs> you threw um, that one just But it's true. In. So he, he wintered in Miami and Palm Beach. Uh-huh. He hit them in the in the wintertime. How did the cops always know it was him? Because he's always taking silver? Yes. And, is well, that it? Seriously no. it? Oh. He had a signature. Oh. He was immaculate and precise. So okay. this is maybe where his like childhood work ethic hammered Kicks home in, comes yeah. in. He, he would wear either latex gloves or those cotton gardening gloves with, like, the little gripper dots on them mm-hmm, to avoid mm-hmm. leaving fingerprints. He carried a duffel bag that held screwdrivers, a carpet knife, wire cutters, a wood chisel, nail pullers, a flashlight, a white cotton rag, duct tape, and, like, a really thin black steel pry bar. That's a hell of a crime kit. I right? like that. That's a good one. So he climbed power poles and he cut the electricity to get around alarm systems. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, 5'4". Oh, is a little very guy. important, yeah. Um, so it was easy for him to get into tight spaces. Yeah, he's basically a tunnel rat. Yeah, he scraped putty from the windows or the doors and, like, would remove the panes of glass using duct tape. He never set off sensors because no doors or windows were actually opened. And he hmm. always left the panes of glass stacked neatly against the outside of the house. Really? Was very, I like his style. Very particular. He used architectural digest to find targets. And, like, sometimes he'd call a real estate agent in the area and say that he wanted to buy, like, a really big, really old home in a established neighborhood, a settled neighborhood. And where, where would I look? What are some of those neighborhoods? So they'd give him all this information. And based on that, he'd scope the neighborhood during the day. And he would look for houses that were, like, set far back from mm-hmm. the road. Totally. And so, you know, he'd figure out, okay, this is where I want to hit. He'd go back to his motel. He'd take a nap. God bless. He'd have dinner. <laughs> One of your people. <laughs> One of my people. He'd have dinner, and then he'd go back out, like, in the middle of the night to strike. And a lot of times, he would hike through forest for miles 
and like pour his backyards to to get to his target. We've heard that before with Mm -hmm. the dinner set gang. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to be real about it, there's not many cops in the woods. Yeah. And like, you don't want to pull you over in the woods. And the neighbors won't see a car parked out. Yeah. People don't expect it. It's the way. So once he's in, he went only for silver, like I said. So this is almost always downstairs, which means it's less likely to wake up the owners upstairs. Yeah. Um, he'd hit the dining and pantry areas. He'd load everything into a tablecloth that he'd find, or like even like a cabinet drawer. The only um, thing is the noise of that much metal. Right. Like he's having to like, I'm sure like put them Be in with very, a bunch of damp material. That's what I'm guessing. And so then he'd take it all outside. Once he got outside, then he'd sort through the items. That's when it would get noisy. Mm-hmm. And he brought a test kit. So he'd figure out, is it silver? Is it silver plated? Okay. Um, and he'd only take the very best pieces. And I guess he just left the rest in the yard. Um, <laughs> he would leave the tablecloth or the dresser drawer or whatever behind. Um, a sneaker imprint was found on a countertop after one of his his heists, and that led to his arrest in jail in 1992. Off a sneaker print? One? So he started throwing away his shoes, all his clothing, and his break-in tools when he completed a heist. The other thing is, is you buy your clothing at a goodwill so that there's no ability to trace the purchase. Yeah, good point. Or any kind of, like, DNA. Anywhere, yeah, but they wouldn't be able to say, (laughs) like, yeah, your shoes, yeah. Yeah. So why silver? Why silver, Elizabeth? Thank you. Stephen Dubner of uh, The New Yorker wrote, quote, Mason argues that silver was particularly appealing to Nordahl because it connotes the sort of family that passes along precious things from one generation to the next, a family that was distinctly unlike Nordahl's own. As Mason sees it, Nordahl remained embittered by his parents' divorce. He resented his father and became extraordinarily close to his mother. When Mason got a hold of Nordahl's phone records, he was astonished by the number of calls between the two. Nothing gave Nordahl greater pleasure, Mason believes, than stealing a rich man's silver and turning it into cash that he would shower on his mother, who, while unhappy about her son's calling, appreciated his devotion. I'm sorry I had to steal your silver, but I hate my dad. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that's cool. I mean, that's an interesting one. I, if I was told that to my face, I'd be like... It's an interesting, like, psychological yeah. analysis And then wanting this. to send the money like, or whatever to his mother, like, yeah. to kind of apologize for the dad or, like, get over on... Like, that's just a very interesting complex. Yeah, it's not, it's not like the dusty clown behavior of most burglars who are just... No, exactly. Yeah. It's not also, like, lack of impulse control. It's, like, a weird pathology. It's a, exactly. So, during one job, he left behind, like, $1,000 in cash that had been sitting on a dining room table, which, P.S., who has $1,000 sitting on their dining room table? Uh, Not I. You don't? Said the fly. That's how I know it's my dining room table. <laughs> it's got the $1,000 well, so of cash Mason on it. Mason comes in, like the, the cop comes in and he sees it and he's like, he's taunting us. This is <laughs> He's just doing this. So the cops, they keep on his trail. He was the prime suspect of the May 1996 theft of $151,000 worth of salt and pepper shakers, huh. silver ones, Yes, a $150 Tiffany strawberry box, a $90 Limoges garlic box, a $90 Limoges chestnut box. Now, when you're saying these boxes, Hold is this on. like a box for my strawberries, a box sh- for I'm, my garlic? I'm about to tell you. Oh. A $120 Limoges lemon box and a, a $125 Limoges artichoke heart box from Ivana Trump's place in Greenwich. What? This is what a Limoges box looks like. <laughs> the one on the left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, they're small hinged porcelain trinkets, little boxes made in Limoges, France. They're big tchotchkes. Yeah, they're super fanciful, particularly sure. the fruit and vegetable ones. Yeah. Um, this is like something you'd get at Gump's in the city in San Francisco. Yes. So you wonder... Did Blaine give these to someone? Elizabeth, did Blaine give these to they someone? They were outside the silver oeuvre. Yes. Well, Nordal had an on-off-again girlfriend named Luann. Mm-hmm. 
uh, like Zarin's favorite comic strip. Yes, yeah, Luann, of course. This on best. again, off again girlfriend. I She's don't, a fun girl. Yeah, what can I do? I don't think he gave her the Limoges boxes, but it was a really great segue for me to get you to Luann. <laughs> so Luann's his girlfriend, but she also became an informant for Mason. Ooh. That was in the off again time. Yeah, apparently. How did Mason flip Luann? How did Mason flip Luann? Let's Elizabeth? take a break. Let's oh. take a break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you how Mason flipped Luann. Yeah. rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60 day money back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/ridiculouscrime. That's simplysafe.com/ridiculouscrime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Welcome. Hey. Blaine Nordahl. My man. Red, white, and Blaine. That's a special shout out for old Phineas Gage. Okay, um, good one. So I was telling you about how Detective Lonnie Mason. Yes, Common. Common. Detective Common. <sighs> wow. <laughs> he loves hip hop, Elizabeth. He really does, the hip and the He hop. loves rap, and uh, rap loves him. <laughs> um, Monmouth County Prosecutor's Office. Yes. He convinced Blaine's girlfriend, Luann, to become an informant. Mm -hmm. Luann was a troubled soul. Mm, how so? Uh, she had a heroin habit, Ooh, which I should trouble. not be laughing about, but it's very bad. That's yes, a bad thing. That's not, not, an unfortunate thing. It's also kind of interesting seeing as how Blaine Nordahl didn't do drugs. Like, he didn't, he didn't do drugs. You don't usually hear about people being no. in a relationship with, a, with someone who's and doing heroin even, and you're not doing heroin. It wasn't even that he didn't do drugs. He didn't drink. He uh -huh. didn't ingest caffeine. 
Wow. Yeah. So, and uh, this, then, is this all like of some some moral compunction of his? It was just like his thing. His addiction was stealing things. I get that. A former girlfriend of his said he was obsessed with stealing every night, and then quote, he got high off it. He liked going into houses when people were sleeping. He says it's more exciting to go into a house when people are there and get away with it. Hmm. So that's his high. Yeah. Um. So Luann, like, she's having a rough one. Um. Anyway, he's like, I don't do drugs. I do crime. Yeah. Basically, crime and my drugs. Mason put a bug in Luann's ear that he could help her. Mm-hmm. Um, now it was just up to her to reach out. And instead of telling you about it, mm-hmm. Zarin, close your eyes. Oh, yeah. My eyes are closed. I want you to picture it. It's 1996. You're a Greenwich, Connecticut police officer. What the? You are also on steroids. All right. That doesn't have anything to do with anything. I just I'm thought it'd be mess. fun for you. Yeah. You're also super into astrology. <laughs> doesn't have anything. I just thought that'd be fun. So about a week ago, you heard that someone broke into Ivana Trump's house and stole some stuff. Uh-oh. Real fancy stuff. Hmm. And this morning, you were told that Blaine Nordahl's girlfriend was singing to Detective Mason. Hmm. You've been assigned to his special task force trying to catch this guy. Word is, Nordahl is holed up at the Super 8 in Stamford. It's now 1130 at night. You and the other dozen or so guys on your team are posted outside the Super 8. Uh, it's a warm night and you're sitting in the passenger seat of an unmarked car with all the windows down outside of Kathy's Dominican Beauty Salon and Samela's Barbershop next door. Mm. I should mention that Samela's has a one-star Yelp rating, with the only review being, quote, By chance, I saw this barber and decided that I really needed a shave. What a f- mistake. I suffered three cuts to the neck and face. <laughs> FYI, it's just off exit six in Stamford. Be afraid. Be very afraid. That's the only review. That's the only review. <laughs> so a cruiser is parked at the Shell station on the corner. Another unmarked car is in the Super 8 motel lot uh, waiting to give the signal that Blaine and Luann have been spotted. You hear the Connecticut turnpike a block away. Quiet buzz of traffic this time of night. Big rigs hum by in the distance, but the air around you is filled with the sound of your police radio and cicadas. You have one job for tonight, and it's a dramatic one. Your radio crackles to life, and the announcement that Nordahl has been spotted. I repeat, Blaine is on the move. He and Luann appear to be packing their car. Move, move, move! Your partner hits the gas and squeals out of the parking lot with a little too much gusto. Settle down, you tell him. Tranquilo, compadre. (laughs) You do your job, your one job. You dial a number on your cell phone. You say, you there? Into the line. You get a yes. Hold on, you tell the person on the line. You and all the other Greenwich police officers with a few Stanford guys thrown in as a courtesy approach Blaine and Luann. You step forward dramatically. You hand Luann your cell phone. It's Lonnie Mason on the other end. Common. (laughs) Luann, you have two choices here, Mason tells her. You can either stay on tour with Blaine and get indicted down the road, or you can go with these cops and cooperate. You know that Mason knows that Luann has a 10-year-old son back in New Jersey. Uh Mason tells Luann to think about him, not Nordahl. Luann starts crying and hangs up the phone. She turns and gets in a police car. What are you doing? Nordahl yells. He tells her that she'll be in trouble without him since he has her heroin. Whoa. Whoa, you did not know about that part. I'll get it from the police, Luann says. Oh, wow. There's a lot happening. There's so much happening. There's so much happening. You really want to ask her what her sign is to try and figure <laughs> out the whole energy here? I have a good guess, though. She shuts the car door, gets in the in the squad car. Um, you're like, I kind of need my phone back, too, is yeah. what you're thinking. But Luann is lost in her thoughts. You'll get it back later. So now, 
Mason has uh, Luann on his side, but he needed to lock that in and get her to agree to testify. This is like the movie Heat. It's this so is amazing. Is. <laughs> so is. Um, so she started to talk one night after Mason drove to her house and showed a photo to her. It had been in Blaine's possession the last time he got pinched. It was a picture of a blonde woman in a white dress posing in front of the Manhattan skyline. Not her. Yeah, not her. Uh-oh. Mason knows it's a gamble, but he's pretty sure it's going to pay off. That son of a she does what she shouts. <laughs> then she pulls a picture out of her purse. It's the exact same picture, what? but with her in it. Same pose, everything. He just takes her. This is his thing. That's his thing. So Luann, she's like, yeah, look, I know where both of these photos are taken. It's a promenade in Weehawken. Guess what? You know what's down the block? His fence. Oh. Yeah. So then like, oh, okay, this is the last straw for her. So she starts giving the Greenwich police any information about Nordahl that she can think of. And so they have the promise of her testimony. This detective, Cornell Abrunzini, uh, he was able to obtain a warrant to arrest Nordahl for six Greenwich burglaries. When you hear Mr. Abruzzini, you don't expect Cornell. Detective Cornell yeah. Abruzzini. <laughs> Yay, Cornell. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. So despite Luann's help, Mason and Abruzzini, mm-hmm. they couldn't find Nordahl anywhere in New Jersey. Um, he had a hunch that dude was hiding at his mom's place in Indiana, though. Oh, Winnetka? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So he had the FBI put her home under surveillance. Uh, Nordahl was spotted driving to his mom's house with a truck full of drywall. <laughs> Apparently, he's fixing he was gonna the place up. He's going to make a up. room for himself? Yeah, he was he's just, just, just going to wall up. himself well, in? Well, you know, he was off. He had a break in his work, this and he like had a, cash. It's like a Law & Order SVU. Like, we found a wall. There's a whole room back <laughs> totally. here. So FBI agents, they told Mason that they would take Blaine into custody, mm-hmm. and Mason warned them against it. This is what he said, quote, I'll never forget it. It was a rainy, nasty day. They said, we chased him in the front door of his mom's house and out the back, and he's in a wooded area. We have him cordoned off. We have helicopters up. We got dogs here. It's 19 degrees and it's going to snow. He cannot survive in the woods for any length of time. I said, how long have you been out there? He said, oh, about 45 minutes. I said, I'm telling you right now, Blaine is gone. Blaine is probably 10 miles away right now. Call me back when you find out I was right. Next day, I get a call. You're not going to believe this. He was at a bank withdrawing money by the time we were talking to you on the phone. Plane's like a Czechoslovakian interior decorator. (laughs) You ain't going to catch him in the woods. He's gone. He is. He is in the wind. So the FBI traced the credit card that he used to buy the drywall. It had been issued to one of his aliases. Um, So they issued this alert that described his car and an off-duty officer saw it at a Walmart in Sparta, Wisconsin. Whoa. Yeah. October 18th, 1996, at the age of 35 years old, Mm -hmm. he was arrested at a Walmart in Sparta, Wisconsin. (laughs) So at the Walmart, (laughs) he was caught with like these big Rubbermaid containers. He had maps of the uh, Connecticut's Fairfield County. He had a fake credit card. He had a directory of America's rich and famous on him. (laughs) And they're like, you know, this is the suspect. This is some downtime reading. (laughs) So the police, they were like, they found out he had a storage locker in Wilton, Wisconsin. They're like, oh, this has got to be it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, there was nothing in there. Anyway. Oh, it was. Wow. Angie Cannon of Knight Ritter News Service said, quote, in the dead of night, dressed all in black, he slunk to the butler's pantries and swiped the sterling. Cat burglar, yes, but it was no Cary Grant that the police charged last week. This accused sneak thief is five foot four, has a receding hairline, drives a Dodge pickup and was caught at a Walmart. 
And she goes on to quote Detective uh, Brunzini. Why she got to like body shame him with well, the five four? He's got a receding hairline. He's no Cary Grant. What's up with the papers with the unnecessary Always. Insult? They just throw him in for like, yeah, I got some space in well, this column. Abrunzini sprinkles a little on top. I don't think Hollywood will sign him up. What the like, heck? Come on, dude. You must be surprised. What are you, a casting agent? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So he's held on $500,000 I mean, this is bond. why the man steals. Because you guys just won't the let him. The world is cruel. <laughs> um, he gets held on $500,000 bond uh, while extradition to Connecticut okay. was pending. Um, and that's where he was wanted for two counts of third-degree larceny, four counts of first-degree larceny, and six counts of second-degree burglary. Hmm. Did the fashion police come after him? No counts? No, no <laughs> counts on that. Apparently, he bought his clothes at Men's Warehouse. Oh, that's a fun fact. Um, so Good research. There, there, no stolen items were found in his home when it was searched, but they did find materials needed to make fake IDs. Okay. And they also found a video called How to Create a New Birth Certificate, <laughs> a rubber stamp that read Original Document, and a book called How to Launder Money. Don't you think the FBI is the one who writes these things? Like, they must. If, if you have a video and you're like clicking on it, they're like, we got another. Totally. <laughs> we got another. Totally. So at this point, he's suspected of stealing $1 million in silver in approximately 40 burglaries over the past four years. This is like Connecticut, Florida, all of them. Uh, He also hit a bunch of places in Palm Beach, Florida, including the home of sportscaster Kurt Gowdy. Hmm. Yeah. So police, they suspected him of breaking into Bruce Springsteen's place in Rumson, New Jersey, but that turned out to be not true. I think they just thought maybe this is how we meet. Bruce, boss. yeah, we're like, we're just, we're just going to suspect it. Bruce, yeah. call us. I got, we got to come over. Yeah, tell the boss we have his silver. He was also the suspect of the theft of $50,000 worth of silver from the grounds of Andalusia, the childhood home of diplomat Nicholas Biddle, who's, and that is now a National Historic Landmark on the Delaware so? River. Yeah, sure, whatever. why, yeah. So why not? public defender, um, his, his lawyer, uh-huh. said, quote, Everyone else in the East Coast who has an unexplained burglary is convinced he did it. And Jimmy Hoffa's disappearance, too. Hey! Oh, God. Got a comedian. Yeah, so... Why um, are lawyers always trying to, like, do a quick five? I don't know. They're like, I got a crowd here. Why I got you (laughs) guys here? Because he wants to get on court TV. That was the thing of the day. Uh, Second assistant prosecutor, that's Uh a good title, Robert Honecker, (laughs) said, quote... He's the burglar to the stars. See, once again. They all wanna, They all got a line. Well, look, I'm quoting him. But you're no Michael they Chertoff. They did it. They won. Michael Chertoff, though, he'll drop right. the bars. So the thing is, like, he's the burglar to the stars, but he didn't know or care whose house he was hitting. Whose house? Ron's house. <laughs> whose house? The only reason that he knew he'd taken stuff from Ivana Trump is mm-hmm. that he got back to his motel and saw Trump stamped, <laughs> stamped on the back of two pewter plates. And he didn't care about that. He was more bummed that he'd picked up pewter. <laughs> Let's take a break. When we get back uh, from this time of quiet contemplation, I am going to continue telling you about Blaine Nordahl or not. Like maybe I'll mix it up and change gears and push the envelope, talk about something else. Maybe I'll talk about all the hobbies I picked up and never finish. Yeah. You're going to have to tune in and see. Be the Zamboni you want to see in the world. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Blaine, Blaine Nordahl. No, no, Zarin. It's Zarin. I, I always want to say narwhal. Narwhal? Every time you look at it, yeah, you're like, narwhal. I see it and I see narwhal, but it's Nordahl. It's not narwhal, Zarin. Stop it. Huh. After his arrest at yes. the Walmart, at the Walmart. Blaine! <laughs> about $2.3 million in burglary claims in 14 states were attributed to him. Dang. So first they're like, it's a million. And then all these other like, people are chiming throw in. Throw in like, 2.3 more. The, yeah. Everyone was thrilled to have caught him, and they wanted to talk about him, too. So let me read you a bunch of quotes (laughs) of everyone wanting to— And again, they won, because now I'm quoting them. Detective Sergeant Michael Schucht of Southampton Village on Long Island's East End said, quote, When and if I meet him, I'd like to shake his hand. He was extremely good, very professional, very efficient. And they said that Nordahl took, quote, a lot of intestinal fortitude. (laughs) Intestinal fortitude. (laughs) Cops want to be writers. Lawyers want to be comedians. Rock stars want to be I just want to go to sleep. Yeah. You want to be asleep. I just just... want to be asleep. Monroe County District Attorney, or I suppose if it were in the South, it would be Monroe. Monroe, Monroe Monroe. County District Attorney John Matusek. Oh, yes. Like the football player. Quote, see? Yeah. Uh, I've had lots of guys try to intimidate me in court. Don't brag. Guys will stare you down and maybe say something. I always stare them down. And they usually smile. But this guy is so cool. (laughs) We had our stare down, but he didn't budge, which is unusual. I like how he's giving he's us so like cool. silverback psychology. Totally. I stare, they stare, <laughs> sometimes smile. Detective Fred Nort. Yes, show uh, teeth. The Southampton Police Department mm-hmm. said, quote, Blaine was good. Very good. <laughs> One of the best cat burglars I've seen. He was never armed. He was never violent. He never hurt anyone. He was like Robin Hood, stealing from the rich, except he didn't give to the poor. These <laughs> <laughs> guys. Lower Marion Police Sergeant Mark Keenan. What did he say, Zaren? Oh, I don't know, but fan of Charles Bronson movies. I know it's going to be good. Quote, he lives a very low-key lifestyle. He never goes out. That was oh, his contribution. That was it. He's just Thanks. Like, hey, Thanks for telling us that. Low-key. Are you projecting there, But in, there, in, in the Sergeant? investigation, it looked like most of his spending took place at Walmart and Walgreens. And He's in the, the walls. walls. Yeah. Uh, during one six-week stretch, uh, he spent more than two grand at Walmart. Drinking Harvey Wallbangers? I could do that. Six weeks? You could do just that go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and then like I said, he bought his clothes at Men's Warehouse. Um, after Fashion his arrest, plate. <laughs> after his arrest at the Walmart, it soon became obvious that like he's not going to do a bunch of time because none of the cases against him were strong. They had no forensic evidence. None of the silver was recovered. There's no <laughs> record of any of the cash that he got from the sale of the I silver. I was just like, yeah, it's him. 
Yeah, right. and then we got the little issue of our star witness, Luann, is mm-hmm. a heroin addict. Yeah, you can usually assassinate that character yeah. in the courtroom. Yeah, so this is what his attorney said, quote, If you're in law enforcement and you've got some cold cases, you'll give your kidney just to get somebody to say, I did that. Blaine harms nobody, aside from the fact that you'll never see your great, great, great grandfather's knife and fork again. <laughs> oh, like, someone's wow. been on the force too long. Okay, what if it happens to you, sir? You know, someday Blaine will rob his own attorney. On October 11th, 1997, he confessed, Blaine confessed, to breaking into seven Greenwich homes, including Ivana Trump's. Ah. He he and his lawyer, they signed a deal with federal prosecutors that la- laid out all the details of like 150 recent burglaries. Blaine agreed to meet with police officers from the jurisdiction so that they could like officially clear the cases. In exchange, he would plead guilty only to the interstate transportation of stolen property. Oh, he wants a federal charge. Mm-hmm. That's smart. So while free on bail, he gets arrested again. <laughs> That's not smart. Not smart. This time, <laughs> I was by, so about to root for him. On this that. time by Baltimore police after they got a tip from Lower Marion police in Philadelphia who noticed him making his way to Baltimore. He was walking back to his 1991 Red Cadillac DeVille, which was parked outside a mansion. Okay. They had more than two dozen cops waiting at the car. Like, oh, hey, Blaine, what's up? He had burglary tools on him, but no silver. But they were able to tie him to these five other burglaries. So Baltimore police said that they had been preparing since summer to charge him with 12 burglaries that took place inside their city limits. That spree allegedly took place after he was released on bail. When police noticed that similar crimes were occurring again, they started keeping him under nighttime surveillance. And police, though, they'd lose him because he'd get off of highways onto deserted streets and they'd circle a few times and always lose the tail Hmm. every time. So in this little spree, $700,000 worth of silver was stolen. Uh, According to one of the veteran cops, quote, he knew the difference between silver plated and solid silver. He is a true professional. (laughs) You just don't find a burglar like this every day. This has probably been the most difficult case as far as burglary goes that I've seen in my career. You know, you got to kind of hand it to cops for being honest about this because, you know, they deal with some of the dumbest, most just like like gobsmack, head hitting kind of like, why would you do that criminals? And they finally get one guy who's like really good. They're like, this guy. It's a little bit of a challenge. You know, it's kind of like a compliment to us. This is why I got into this. Yeah, this is what I want (laughs) to be doing. So in January of 2002, this Huge haul of silver gets stolen from a mansion in Rhinebeck, New York, Edgewater, it's mm, called. Yes. Built in 1823. The owner at the time, Richard Jenrett, he was a retired financier um, whose hobby was preserving historic homes. That's a great hobby. Preserving, like for like the historic record? Or just like, you know, ma- or like, like ha- flipping them. No, no, no. Like preserving them for the historic record, going through and making sure that everything is repaired to oh, period cool. detail. Yeah, type well, whatever. You know, it's like kind of like one of my hobbies. Yeah, that you do that on weekends. It's easy. It's so cheap. Um, I mean, they're Barbie dream homes, but the same <laughs> stuff. Edgewater had been the home of the Donaldson family. Oh, yes, the Donaldsons. Good family. I've known them since the dog's ages. Um, And Jenrette, he tracked down the last living Donaldson descendant who had moved to the south of Spain. Hmm. And he convinced her to keep the family's original silver at Edgewater. Well, they've had it for donkey's years. And it was a massive set. (laughs) He's like, repatriate it back to the home. (laughs) All of that silver was stolen. Gone. Uh, As well as a toddy ladle. 
and a, Not a, toddy a fish server. For hot toddies or cold toddies? A six-piece tea set, uh-huh. luncheon knives and Demitasse spoons, uh-huh. and a chocolate pot. Do you know how hard it is to find a good Demitasse uh, spoon these days? A chocolate pot. I mean, come um, on. Yeah, chocolate pot, that's one he thing. He takes but... all the silver that had been like painstakingly returned to the hum. Yes. Uh, and then this poor woman in Spain is like, okay, great, thanks. You yeah, took good, good advice. Care of it. Um, he left behind these like crazy expensive paintings and porcelain. It was he just Blaine. He just wanted silver. <laughs> uh, the same evening, there was another burglary. Same evening as Edgewater, ten miles south at Wilderstein. Okay. Uh, or Wilderstein. I don't know how you say it, and quite frankly, I don't care. Oh. Um, this was the former home of Daisy Suckley. Not Daisy Suck. The Suckleys. Do you know who she is? No, I have no idea. Distant cousin and close companion of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You thought I would know that? A distant cousin you of know, Franklin Delano Roosevelt? Of course Roosevelt. I did. I, I could throw out any name. Oh, yes, of course. And then no, you tell me. I'm shocked. No. I'm shocked, I tell you. Only if they actually are people I who've done things. I cannot like believe that you don't know. Okay. I'm so yeah. excited I got one over. I need to work on my um, peerage of American royalty. Well, so at this place, at the old Suckley house, yes. um, the only thing stolen there was silver. That's uh, Suckley's. So both of these meticulous heists, same night, it gets reported on in the New York Times, after, you know, reading this article about the double heist, Abruzzini, he calls the Rhinebeck police, tells the trooper handling the case, quote, I know the guy who's doing your burglaries. It's like watching the same bad movie again and again. <laughs> so, which it must be. You're like, oh, my God, he's striking everywhere. So Abruzzini gives them Nordahl's name and his aliases, David Price and Robert Damiani. Hmm. Uh, Abruzzini told this, this cop, check the local motels under all three names. So he's calling. He's calling. On the 10th try, he calls a Super 8 several miles south of Rhinebeck, which was like, I think he had like a customer loyalty card to the Super 8 motels. (laughs) It's going to be near the freeway. You know that. He finds out a man named David Price had paid cash for this room. And the clerk, when he checks him in, writes down his car information, like the, you know, license plate for this Cadillac Seville he's driving, makes a photocopy of the driver's license. So the cops, they race down there. The photo on the license is Blaine, but it says David Price. And then they find out he'd checked out more than a week earlier. So, so huh. much for that. Yeah. February of 2002, the U.S. Marshals, they captured him outside of Dunkin' Donuts oh. in Mount Laurel. He was driving a green Cadillac Seville. Yeah, you may be on the lamb, but Dunkin' calls. But Dunkin', exactly. Off he went to federal prison in Elkton, Ohio. He was released in November of 2010, and he ran a pool service with his girlfriend, Elizabeth Irene Music. That's a cool name. Yeah, it is a cool name. So he stayed on the straight and narrow, cleaning pools and like reading to orphan rescue dogs. No, <laughs> no, he did not. August 26, 2013, he was arrested again. Right back at him, right my man. Blaine's 51 now. Wait, well, you know, you got to do what you know how to do. And if you do what you love, you never yeah. work a day in your life. Well, and at this point, he'd reached it where he was now, at, he gets arrested because he's responsible for millions of dollars worth of silver being stolen from homes in Athens, Georgia, and all over the Southeast. He needed to get high, Elizabeth. He really did. <laughs> I mean, what can I, I don't have to tell you? So, see, Nordahl's probation. So he's going down to Athens, Georgia, like a college town, looking for old silver? Oh, he's going to all sorts of plantations. I would have gone to, like, Savannah for that. Oh, he did. He hit all of it. Oh, okay. So his probation was transferred to Florida when he moved to Jacksonville, and that was his new base of operations. Mm -hmm. And he would travel from there across state lines, but not so far away that he'd be missed by probation. Oh, smart. So they they figured that he was responsible for over 70 burglaries. That took place throughout 2013, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee. He hit Athens alone three times and lifted like $30,000 in silver. 
Damn. Buckhead. Ugga. Atlanta was hit pretty hard. Oh, I used to live there. Yeah, so an Atlanta detective, he put together a task force. Blaine Nordahl, the man who launched a million task forces. Mm-hmm. Um, Blaine hit the Coolini Plantation in Davies County, North Carolina. And it was there that he lifted $148,000 of sterling silver, as well as priceless spoons made by Paul Revere. Wow. And a tea set that had been saved by a slave who buried it when Union soldiers moved through. Damn. Yeah. He's like, yoink, they Blinks. missed it. Yeah. Sherman's missed he's, my he's, game. He is back on his BS. So another <laughs> burglary victim said that he and his wife didn't realize their stuff was missing for a few days. Quote, my wife went into the dining room to straighten up before we had guests over, and she called out that there's glass missing from the window. Oh. Yeah, and then now what are you? how are you going to entertain? You have no silver. Um, they noticed that a drawer was missing from the sideboard. <laughs> He'd used the entire drawer and a punch bowl uh-huh. uh, as vessels for two sets of sterling silver flatware, a demitasse set, bowls, saucers, other assorted sterling mm-hmm. silver, and mint julep cups. Now, do you think he was having the stuff melted down? I don't know. Because it's, it's, otherwise it's well, pretty no, he easy had a to fence, find. Yeah, but no. he had a fence, and I don't know if he was selling it to the fence for weight of silver. Yeah, yeah. I would hope that for weight of silver, because otherwise it can be pretty easy to find that oh, yeah. stuff and then connect. Like, well, oh, I hope it's not melted. Oh, I mean, I, mean, I don't mean that way. I mean, like, <laughs> if I was like the fence, I'm like sitting there talking to the fence, and I'm like, "Hey, we got to melt this down. Otherwise, you're gonna get caught." In yeah. that way, I'm hoping yeah, they're doing yeah. it. Yeah. 2017, it all came crashing down. Again. Oh. Five years prior, Blaine had broken into the home of Bill Jones the Third in a gated community on Saint Simon's Island. Oh, Saint Simon's. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna get who? Who is Bill Jones the Third? Uh, son of the golfer, a grandson well, of the golfer. No, let me read to you from his profile in Cigar Aficionado. Oh, okay. Quote. Why do I his, know that name? His real name is A. W. Jones the Third, but most friends and family in Sea Island, Georgia, referred to him as Bill Three. He's the fourth generation chairman and chief executive officer of the Sea Island Company, the proprietor of one of the world's largest and finest golf resorts, and the scion of an empire that encompasses 65,000 acres of prime low country coastal property, which he is continually developing and upgrading through both good and bad economic times, and enjoying the best that a cigar world has to offer. I wonder if that's related to Bobby Jones. I'm not done, Zaren. Oh, I'm sorry. I like a strong, powerful cigar that's rich in flavors, Bill 3 allows during a recent interview as he fires up a Fuente Fuente Opus X Double Corona. I smoke two or three cigars a day, and I find it very relaxing activity. It's a great compliment to the things I enjoy doing outdoors. I, I see why you need to we get, say that. We, yeah. get, we get Bill We 3. know him, yes. So the article describes him with like these beautiful turns of phrases, quote, his sunburned complexion smooth as Sea Island cotton. <laughs> what? And, quote, he owns well over 400 turkey calls handmade by the late Neil Cost, whom he calls the Stradivarius of turkey calls. His what? robin's egg blue eyes <laughs> flicker with delight as he boasts of shedding 35 pounds from his 5-foot, 9-inch frame. Like, make it stop. I could not stop reading this article. I want to hear them describe what former uh, Speaker John Boehner looks like. Oh, God. The his most beautiful piece of beef like jerky I've ever laid on. old age tobacco <laughs> or a wine stain left in the sun. Anyway, sorry, go on. 2017, FBI agents intercepted a FedEx shipment that had a silver charm bracelet in it that, you know, Bill 3, is it Bill? Bill 3, Bill Bill Jones. Bob, whatever, Bill, Bill 3 and his wife, they could identify it. So Blaine, he's now 55 years old, he pleads guilty to a charge of burglary in the first degree. 
Superior Court Judge Anthony Harrison, I tell you that name because it's not important, <laughs> sentenced Nordahl to 11 years in uh-huh. prison and nine years probation as a repeat offender oh. under the state re- uh, recidivist statute. Hmm. He was also, he was up against like a possible life sentence in South Carolina because I guess they go hard on burglary. South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, Detective Mason told The New Yorker, quote, I said, Blaine, if you ever want to use your knowledge in a positive way, I'd work with you. You could work in the insurance industry in the area of silver. You could work with alarm systems. If you want to team up, go into a business, we could turn this into a crime prevention program. What did he say, I asked? He said, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like work. Yeah, you can probably tell from my career as a criminal. He is thought to have stolen at least $10 million worth of silver in over 15 states in his career. Damn, the amount of silver of like old families that he has touched. Oh, I know. Is that your takeaway? My ridiculous takeaway? (laughs) What's your ridiculous takeaway? You should have gold flatware. Yeah. Because that's classy. Make it real elegant. Real, real elegant. Real nice. like. Just, I like, a, I like a, a con electrically conductive flatware. Okay. Otherwise, I'm like, how am I going to yeah. get shocked? Come on. If I'm going to stick this into an outlet, let's make it worth it. You know? Like, <laughs> give me a spark or what are we doing here? No, but for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. what would you say is your ridiculous takeaway, Elizabeth? <gasps> Look see, at that table that? turner. <sighs> oh, how the turntables turn. <laughs> um, my takeaway, I you know, I've been thinking a lot before we even got the the email from the listener. I'd been thinking mm-hmm. a lot about the personal violation of it. Yes, um, because we had we had some uh, silver stolen in our family, and it was like, I don't know. There's a part of me that's like it's just stuff, but at the same time, like it holds a lot of meaning to a family when it's sure. like it wasn't like oh this opulent thing. These were like working class people who'd saved up and it passed it down from generations. You don't want to be the one to lose it well, after you know, all these generations of them people there's trying to hold too. it. You don't want to be like oh I, you know yeah like sorry. this survived all these other things yeah. like. Um, and so I think, you know, the, it's interesting about the the violation of it. Um, and what's even more interesting is this guy's addiction to it. And he's kind of getting high off the violation of it, which mm-hmm. is just, you Oh, you know, think so? I don't know. Oh, I actually guess he said that. Yeah, the, he, the like, ex-girlfriend was I like, wouldn't have put it in the terms of violation, but now that you, you do, but he really did. He said he, he yeah. liked to be in the house with the people while uh-huh. they're sleeping, which is very much a violation of their sense of peace yeah, and privacy exactly. and so forth. So, I mean, I wish huh. there was a party that could be honestly like, oh, it's just stuff, who cares? But it does. There's, you know, there's sentimental things and then there are also just logistical issues when people steal stuff like that so what i'm trying to say is they're all dusty bums not like bums as in unhoused but yes you know it's just such bum behavior behavior it's dusty behavior so anyway what's your ridiculous takeaway did you tell me same one what you had (laughs) what what you said yeah Yeah, that was mine i was just gonna (laughs) say it a little bit louder that's us. That's us I have. That's all I have. Uh, you can find us online at RidiculousCrime.com. We're also at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, we are. Email RidiculousCrime at gmail.com. Do it. You will likely not get a response. No, you won't. Leave us a talk back on the iHeart app. Just, you know, reach out, baby. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett. Produced and edited by Sea Island's shadow scion, Dave Kustin. Research is by Cigar Saboteur, Marissa Brown, and Metals Expert, and by that I mean the Feist album, Andrea Song Charpentier. <laughs> the theme song is by Butler on a Smoke Break, Thomas Lee, and Super 8 Regional Manager, Travis Dutton. Post Wardrobe is provided by Botany 500. Executive producers are Low Country Land Advocate, Ben Bolin, and Elusive Silver Fence, Noel Brown. Ridiculous. Cry. Say it one more time. Ridiculous cry.
Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.